the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Leibson. As we head into Hour 2, this Wednesday, June 29th, 2022, as we do every Wednesday, we check in with our Congressman David Schweikert. I want to talk to him about a couple things today. Um, both really I'm in a sense, only a, couple. only a couple, but really it's one thing. It's one thing in the sense of that it's on the economy. The word economy comes from the Greek, okonomia, which means household management. So I want to talk about the economy and its original intent. We're original intent people here, aren't we, David? So let's start with the issue of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, tax cuts, the Donald Trump tax cuts, as they're uh, known more colloquially. You want to make them permanent, and you introduced legislation last week to do so. Tell us tell us about that. A lot of people didn't realize that they weren't. Uh, tell us what that means. All right. Let me I'm going to geek out for a moment. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, because we had to get through the 60 vote threshold in the Senate, we had to use a reconciliation bill as part of the 1974 Budget Control Act. At that point, you only need 51 votes to get through when you use a reconciliation bill, just as the Democrats have been doing a number of their big, big spending bills. But to do that, there's a budget created, and then the tax reform legislation had to fit into that budget. And we had all sorts of problems with the Senate language compared to the House language. The language I worked on, the House language was much better than the Senate. But, you know, when you have senators, so... But because of that, there were a number of the portions of the tax reform bill that had to have expiration dates so it would fit into the 10-year budget. So that's what reconciliation does. It says we're setting a budget, and you can only do this much within that 10-year window. So that, that's the mechanical geeky stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But to do that, there were a couple things. One, something called expensing. So you're a business and you go out and you buy a piece of equipment so you can be more productive and make more stuff and therefore you can pay your workers more. Well, that expensing is stepping down each year. So this, so a year ago, it was 100% of that piece of equipment. You got to sort of write off like accelerated depreciation. Today, it's only 80%. And next year, it goes to 60 But with inflation, all of a sudden now we see capital expenditures crashing. Because when you say, well, I only get to take 80% into the depreciation, plus the product is now 20% more expensive, all of a sudden the economics of buying productivity equipment is fading away. But there's the other part. A bunch of the individual portions of the tax reform that made the filing much simpler. Remember, what is it, 90% of Americans now um, don't have to itemize. They just, you know, you take standard deduction. That goes away over the next couple of years. 
and I'm trying to make that permanent. And the elegance going on right now is we can show the, the what we call tax receipts. It's not tax revenues. It's tax receipts on the corporate side and the individual side have dramatically, you know, dramatically come in larger than all the projections and particularly the projections from the Democrats. The tax reform has worked. And thank God we had it. We hadn't had it. Could you imagine going into the pandemic without the economic growth? David, you and I aren't in exactly the same business, but there is a Venn diagram where you and I have the same job sometimes, and one of them is dispelling myths that never die or never seem to die. Would you, for the umpteenth time, because it's necessary, dispel the myth that the Tax Cubs, Tax Cuts and Job Act only went to the top percent of this yeah, country's it's population? It's, complete, it's a complete fraud, and part of the reason it's such a great because even the Speaker Pelosi, uh, which she and I have gone at it on the floor of the House over this, which was amusing, because I was managing a bill, she shot it off, and I had the opportunity to quickly respond to her, which almost never gets to happen on, in the House. Um, the tax reform was more progressive than the old tax system, mm -hmm. meaning rich people, high-income earners, are paying a higher percentage of federal spending of federal tax revenues, a higher percentage of federal tax revenues today than they were prior. Mm -hmm. And that partially, substantially comes because we removed so many people. Um, you know, when you doubled the individual deduction, when you doubled, you know, the child, you know, the, the different deductions, we have families who make 50 plus thousand dollars and pay no federal right. income tax. Right. They do pay, you know, FICA tax, which is your Social Security and your Medicare, which is a, another discussion we're going to have to talk about of how terrifyingly underfunded those programs are. And, that's, you know, I'm the senior Republican on Social Security trying to fix this. But and, and Democrats also lied about I remember a number of them saying we're going to go into a depression. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to collapse the economy. And just the opposite happened. We had a couple of the healthiest years. In modern history, income inequality shrank. Poor people got dramatically less poor. In um, uh, Working women saw the fastest growth of their income ever. Food insecurity shrank more than it had ever shrank before to its lowest levels. It was the Goldilocks economy. And it was substantially from our, you know, President Trump's and, and our getting regulations right and redesigning the tax code. Um, we need to do sort of the next phase of this because there's, there's actually some other major things we need to do in the tax code to even bring back even more manufacturing. We succeeded in getting businesses to move their money back to the United States. Now we need them to move their manufacturing back, and that's going to take the, a tax code change. One of the pieces of relief that came with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Acts was uh, an amount, and I don't remember what it was, that working Americans recovered something like $1,000, I think it was. I remember one of the wealthiest women in the country, she is your Speaker of the House, condemned it as crumbs, crumbs to the ordinary working family. Boy, I bet they'd like those crumbs right now when they're looking at the prices for the gas and groceries and other well, things. Well, to give, you got to put this in perspective. Think of all the progress we made. Remember, the tax reform was finished at the end of 2017. Right. 
You could see it in the economy in the last quarter of 2017 because we actually allowed expensing. So we did the bill, but then we let did a look-back quarter. So if you bought a piece of capital equipment at the end of 2017, because we told people we were going to do this, um, so they started to buy capital equipment. So you see at the end of 2017 the benefits of just even the tax proposal. 2018, 2019, first quarter of 2020, some of the greatest growth ever in tax receipts in, in the economic health. All of that, almost every dime of those tax benefits has now disappeared in the 15 months that the Democrats have controlled the House, the Senate, and the White House. It's inflation. It's their regulatory crushing of, of energy and all the other things. This incredible amount of progress, and it shows you how fragile it was when you put the wrong party in control of government. They took it all away from it. David, if you, uh, please God, take the majority in November, if we take the majority in November, would you expect a few or more Democrats to join you on making permanent tax cuts? Because it seems to me the Democratic Party has shifted to a much more um, intransigent position. Joe Biden, Al Gore, John Kerry, three names you enjoy. When they were in the Senate, they all voted for Reagan's tax cuts. Do we have Democrats like that anymore? No. Okay. No, look, look, um, let's deal with the reality. The Democrats. We still have those Democrats, but we still have Biden and Kerry and Gore. We just don't have those old positions. Okay, sorry. I I couldn't resist. Remember our life lesson. Money, power, vanity. In today's world, you're going to run as a Democrat. You are now part of a progressive party. The Democrat Party has radicalized. Do you think there's any chance in hell you're going to get votes or money to run for Congress, run for Senate, if you actually stood up and spoke in rational economic terms. Um, it just, you, they could not survive the inbound hate. Um, I hate to say, look at um, Ms. Cinema. Look at the hate she's had oh, yeah. opposing some of the oh, yeah. tax hikes, yeah. let alone. Let me let me do this, David. I got to take a quick commercial break. I'd love for you to weigh in uh, because we didn't talk. I think the decision came in after our usual hit, uh, after our usual visit. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the Dobbs decision when we come back? I know it's personal to you, and I and I'd love to love to bring that out if you don't mind. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Congressman David Schweiker. We will be right back. Little uh, Frankie Valley there for you. David Schweikert is our guest. David, Frankie Valley was a uh, popular singer in America uh, culture, and uh, they did a movie and play about him uh, called The Jersey Boys, just so you, you understand who that was. Okay. <laughs> See, and he takes it, and he just say he's he's fine with that. Okay, okay, David. Um, let's uh, let's let's take this uh, other story um, because it's 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 not just policy to you; it's personal to you. What the Supreme yeah. Court did in the Dobbs decision. Talk to us about that. Well, okay. Let's do the more personal side yeah. because you've probably had much smarter legal minds. I mean, you're a lawyer. On oh, okay. I see how we're doing this now. We're gonna we're gonna yeah, start mudslinging. Okay. All right. Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, but it was actually the life movement that got me involved in politics. Um, 
you know, I, I, I was born in a non-wedded mother's home, so was my little brother, my sister. We all came from holy family. Um, I'd wed mother's home in downtown L.A. You know, we were all adopted out of there. Um, and when the Roe v. Wade decision happened, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm still quite young, um, and my parents, within a year or two, were helping put together this organization called Right to Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my very earliest experience was out there actually marching in front of a, you know, abortion center with my parents. Um, and I was, you know, probably 12 or 13, 14 years old. Um, and that sort of was our draw in the politics. But imagine a world where you're in your 30s, late 30s, and you come to work and you turn on your computer and there's an email saying, hi, you don't know me, um, but your sister gave me some information. I found your birth mother. Here's her contact information. Mm-hmm. And you go through the... So you call the whole family, you do a conference call saying, guys, um, I'm, I'm going to do, uh, and they, so I sent a special note, and it was like two weeks later, I get this call, and this little voice is just crying, crying, saying, I pray for you every day. On your birthday, I go light candles at, at, at the church. Are you okay? Are you happy? Are you healthy? And I'm crying saying, I've had a great life. I got adopted by a great family. I grew up in Arizona. Um, And a couple weeks later, I'm visiting them in California. I'm eating. And and it was like instantly I was part of the family. And we still hang out together. My birth mom and my mom, who both have now passed away, became best of friends. Um, And one of the crazy things my mom did is my mom sent baby pictures, the pictures of me growing up, because Mary Lynn, my birth mother, ended up with an early type of Alzheimer's. Mm. And yet my pictures were on the wall, and my two six-foot-tall blonde half-sisters, who are really neat people, said it was one of the greatest things that ever happened, because for Mary Lynn, that always felt she had this sort of cloud over her because she gave up her little boy you know, when she was functioning a teenager, in her mind, because the pictures were there, I had always been part of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and at her funeral, her best friend pulled me to the back of the church and sat me down and said she had a story she was supposed to tell me once Mary Lynn passed away. And she told the story that she and one of her other girlfriends were driving Mary Lynn <clears throat> to Tijuana to have an abortion. And as they got closer and closer to the border, she started breaking down and crying and then hyperventilating. And then so they turned around, and went back to her mother. And a few months later, she was born in that unwed mother's home. Wow. 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 So, yeah. And then I obviously have an adopted daughter who's now the third generation adopted in our family. David, it must um, there's so much to say here. My gosh, I guess the thing I want to I want to ask you about because you've heard it all and uh, you debate it as a matter of policy. You live it as a matter of uh, your life story and autobiography. Um, one of the criticisms that we hear from people who don't share the same view we we have on this is that uh, we don't care 
we don't care about children after they're born. And, yeah, I, and, and I, I have to tell you, nothing drives me I'm more gonna, angry than that. Nothing yeah, gets me I'm going to just stop you right there. Okay. Look, um, look who the parents are that adopt. Yep. Look at the parents who are foster. I mean, my wife and I went through because we thought we would never be able to adopt. We had a couple of failed adoptions that ripped our hearts out. Mm-hmm. And so we became foster parents. And, and look, not everyone in the foster class training was you know, a conservative, this and that. There were another couples, but they all actually had this love and respect for life mm-hmm. and understanding as a society. And this is this should be a, a future conversation you and I have. Okay. I'm terrified what's happening in the family structure. Yeah. But it's but it's more than the family structure. What it means economically, mm-hmm. what it means in the ability of the society to grow, what it means to be able to have revenues to cover Social Security and Medicare, what mm-hmm. it means that the foundation of our society are in real trouble, and I'm going to say something incredibly harsh. Okay. The left is becoming like a death cult. Mm-hmm. It's, and this is far beyond their, their radicalized positions and how extreme they've become on the issue of life. Mm-hmm. If you go over so many of their other issues, mm-hmm. um, it's very uncomfortable how they view human beings and society and and what it means just to be a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David, I um, I agree with you on all of that, and I agree with you that the next effort is to do what we can to also help nurture not just the families that want to adopt and foster, but the organizations like crisis pregnancy centers and other institutions where we give things Planned Parenthood never gives. We give free prenatal care and baby formula and diapers and clothes, car seats and cribs. You don't get that at Planned Parenthood. Yeah, for everyone that's listening right now, if you are pro-life and you've been part of the movement, the battle hasn't stopped. The battle is just different. Now we step up and we do it with love, not anger, not fear, not not frustration. We do it with love. We help every expected mother. And we have a crisis, particularly here in Maricopa County. How many of our expected moms um, have fentanyl and meth yeah. and alcohol? Yeah. We need to we need to win by love. You bet. And that's our challenge. By the way, I got to let you go here, David. I'm going to say this: um, for those that need an instruction or uh, need in sharp relief an example or evidence of the distinction between love and hate, it's really easy. Go to a pro-life rally and then go to a pro-choice rally. You'll see the difference. David Schweikert, bless you, sir. Thank you very, very much for everything. Until next week, we'll talk to you again then. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Everyday more harmful decisions by the current administration hurt the economy, robbing your savings and investment. It's almost criminal. Inflation, 40-year high, making your money worth even less. And now there's a very real possibility of a full-blown recession. Can you afford to lose even more? 
The good news is when investments fall, gold traditionally holds its value, which is why I recommend Midas Gold Group, veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, to talk about safeguarding your wealth with physical gold. It's the only company I own precious metals from. Same for Seb Gorka and thousands of you already. Check out Midas Gold Group at MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000. Midas Gold Group. They've got it all. Tell them I sent you. All right. Uh, yes, I wanted to do this. Um, and I, I don't know if you'll see it the same way I did. I saw this clip and it just had my jaw on the floor. Talk about about humility talk about hubris talk about arrogance talk about an inability to read the room alexandria ocasio cortez is maybe the second most famous person in congress after nancy pelosi perhaps she's certainly up there isn't she she has been in congress she is in her third year okay she is in her third year in the House of Representatives. Think about how much ink has been spilt about her and by her. She's in her third year. Last night she was on the Stephen Colbert show. And I just want you to listen to this for a moment, if you will. Right there, it's Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. A couple quick things before we go. A couple quick things before we go. Uh, you know, there's some speculation as to whether President Biden is going to run in 2024. There's some there's some reports that he's a little frustrated that people keep asking because he keeps on saying yes. And people go, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, you know, uh, I know somebody who is going to turn 35 uh, about a month before the election in 2024. And uh, they represent New York's 14th. Uh, is, is that job appealing to you at all? Um, I think that... Theoretically. Uh, listen, I think that we need to focus on keeping a democracy mm -hmm. for anybody to be president in, in the next couple of years. And that's my central focus is helping the people of this country. Right? So it's possible. So it's possible. I don't know about all I don't know about all of that. You are a third year, not third term third year under 35 congresswoman and someone asks you if you might be running for president in 2024 and she says i don't know about all that leaving obviously the door the interest and the intrigue open my gosh the arrogance my gosh the hubris that really incredible. I, I i just i just happen to think it is i you know i maybe i'm the one misreading it but I think you answer that, oh, no, there are much better people than I with a lot more experience. I, I mean, I, there's a million ways to answer that without taking the compliment and running with it when you are completely unqualified. First of all, I don't mean to make this a political science class. This is really a very simple thing. But first of all, you name me. You name me the last congressman that ran for president and won. First of all, just do that. And I can guarantee you they were in office a lot longer than three or four or five years. Incredible to me that she took that and left that door open and ran with it. Just incredible, including with, you know, all the laughter and giggling and whatever motions that she's involved in physically. I The gyrations, I, the uncontrollable gyrations. I, I just unbelievable to me that um, that uh, that that. 
that she acts and carries herself that way. Meanwhile, on the other side of the street, you have Kamala Harris in an interview saying Joe Biden will run again and I will run as his vice president again and I'm looking forward to it. In between those two, and right in the middle of that street, on one side of the street you get one lie, on the other side of the street you get another lie. Really incredible, this Democratic Party. It's really amazing to me. I mean, I get it. I get it. But it's their own fault, and it's their own bench, and their own lack of one, and their policies. But to let that kind of stuff run riot through this country and to take that kind of compliment and run with it like that, wow. Wow. I'm Seth Leapson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. For those of you looking for a unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out Y Refi. These are my friends. I have gotten to know them very well. They are offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors all in a collateralized, secure portfolio. Y Refi is a due diligence approved firm. It's run by great people. Check them out yourself at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, and refy.com. They're in the business of helping people dig out of debt, doing it the right way by actually paying down those debts. And they're doing really well by doing really well for others, doing good for others. You can be too. Investyrefi.com or give them a call at 855 316 3087. It's 855-316-3087. Keith is in Atlanta, hot Atlanta. I don't know if it's hotter there or here, Keith. So we're, we're, we're in good competition, though. Uh, it's now in the 70s. It's actually pretty good today uh, compared to what it was. We will not call you hot Atlanta anymore. That's good, and I don't want to be hot. <laughs> What's up, Seth? buddy? Yeah. People better take Ocasio-Cortez serious. Mm -hmm. I know that she's got a light resume, but it's not because of her. It's because the people who vote Democrat are sick people. They are people who are just just delusional. That whole group of people who vote for them are either dependent or delusional. You've got to take her serious because the same thing I was saying back in – 2004 when Barack Obama yeah. was, or 2006 when he was running for senator. Yeah. I said, and, and people are talking about he's a future presidential candidate. I said, the guy has no resume. Yeah. I mean, 10 years before that, he's on a street corner as a social justice warrior. Yeah. And then Hillary Clinton is the same thing. A light resume and people give her more credit than she deserves. you got to take Ocasio-Cortez serious, not because of her but because of the sick people in that, that vote Democrat. You know, um, you're absolutely right, Keith. And I think it's a lesson the leadership of the Democratic Party learned. Uh, I think at first they wanted to be very dismissive of AOC and her fellow squad members that came in at the same time. And then they realized, holy smokes, they represent the base they represent the base. Why do you think Joe Biden is not the moderate he campaigned as? Why do people exactly. think that? Do people, can anyone tell me one thing that that uh, if Bernie Sanders were elected president, he would have done that Joe Biden's administration hasn't? One thing? For 
people who thought they were getting moderacy with an old school Democrat. I mean, it's kind of interesting when I was talking with David Schweikert earlier in the show. I don't know if you heard it or not, Keith, but um, I was reminding the audience that um, when Reagan passed his landmark tax reform, tax cuts act, uh, a lot of Democrats supported it. A lot of Democrats supported it, including Democrats with names like John Kerry and Joe Biden, who were in the Senate at the time. And it dawned on me, Reagan's a distant memory and Kerry and Biden are still here. But they've changed a lot with that party, a lot, so much so no one in the party would vote for tax cuts today. No one, not one single Democrat. And that's the least of it. That's the least of it. This this is a party that believes in abortion up to and beyond birth. This is a party that will not allow Americans to earn a living and use our own natural resources, but will go hat in hand to countries like Venezuela and Saudi Arabia, asking them to do so. This is a party that will sit idly by while an invasion takes place on our southern border, bad in and of itself, what one might call a malum and say in Latin. But now think about all that's coming through with it, including 108,000 deaths due to drug overdoses, over 80 percent of which due to fentanyl, 99 percent of which comes through that border. Think about what this party now stands for because of AOC's views, not 1986 Joe Biden views. You know, Seth, I have to argue with you about that. Okay. I think this, I think those people who you say are, are changed, they always were like that, okay. but they never espoused to that to the public because they knew they wouldn't get elected. Okay. They, I believe that people like Bill Clinton even though he talked like he was such a good old boy, uh-huh. blue dog Democrat. No, Bill Clinton was a radical person, and he knew he the only way to get elected as president is to please the crowd. And uh, oh, okay, let, the- let, 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 me, let me give you an extra point on that, Keith. Uh, I don't know if we're, if, if we're in fierce disagreement, but let me add a point to your argument. Bill Clinton became moderate as a president only after 1995 when the Republicans took back the Congress. Let that be a message to the rest of the American people. You want to change the Biden administration, you can de- th- do so through congressional and Senate races. You can do so. It's been done before. But I don't think he will. No, I think no, that, but you I can tame I, them. You can tame them and have them come your way. All that, all that welfare reform, all that tax reform stuff that Bill Clinton did in the second part of his term, that was because he had a Republican Congress that forced it. That's my only yeah. message. Give Joe Biden yeah. a Republican Congress. Save the country. Don't give a hoot about Joe Biden other than the fact that he is our president. But as far as saving his political career, I don't care. But save America's career. Save America's let me, career. Let, let me ask you this real quick. Do you think he steps down after the midterm? I think it's plausible. I think it's plausible. I really do. I, I, I think that the decline is accelerated and accelerating I think that it's been able to be maintenanced by having a friendly party in the majority of the House and Senate. I think all of it will get worse as time makes these things worse and as it will become a more antagonistic politics in Washington, D.C., with an opposition party possibly in charge. I, I think it's plausible. I, I, I wouldn't bet money on it, but I wouldn't be surprised by it at all. What do you think? 
I think, um, yeah, I do think that, um, <clears throat> I think this, the Democrat Party has two roads to go with this. They either keep him there as the sacrificial lamb to get it over with and let him finish his term, or they 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 move him out of there only because, not because he's a danger to the country, but because he's a danger to the Democrat power. That's it. Well, that would be their reasoning, obviously, exactly. and I think you stated that well. The question that I have is, what does that look like for the country going forward with Kamala Harris as the president? What does that look like? I don't know who's more competent. I don't know uh, who's less competent. But it's an even. It's 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 pretty close. It's a it's a pretty even weight on both scales, isn't it? Um, yeah. Which is a condemnation of her in a sense that's implicit in that point, because she doesn't suffer the kinds of things I suspect Joe Biden suffers from, and she's just as bad, if not worse. So, you know, as Shakespeare reminds, never say it's the worst if you can literally say it's the worst. There is worse yet. Keith, thank you. Stay cool. Continue to stay cool. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. I take it every single day, boost your health, your immunity, and your energy with... uh, 100% natural balance of nature. Fruits and veggies, that's all it is. Cayenne pepper, garlic, broccoli, apples, oranges, papayas, mangoes. That's what you get with one daily dose of balance of nature and a lot more. And it's, as I say, 100% natural. 100%. Balanceofnature.com. I take it every day. You can, too. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Discount code BALANCE. I guess I I didn't really think about it. Based on uh, on the last couple of calls, I'm going to do my monologue at the top of the next hour. And it kind of goes to something we were just kind of talking about, which is the shift in the Democratic Party. I uh, go into some stuff that we've been going through here as a country uh, and using the Supreme Court's most recent decisions to talk about it and where the Democratic Party was on some of this stuff when their chief leader and hero was president. I'm talking about Franklin Roosevelt. Think about the kinds of things Roosevelt stood for uh, when it comes to the kinds of things the Supreme Court has been ruling on over the last few weeks. Freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom of speech and freedom of religion, protection of the First Amendment. That used to be a thing Democrats and Republicans cherished. It's fascinating how it's just become the province of one party. We'll talk about that in my uh, monologue coming right up. I'm Seth Liebson. Don't go away. We will be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.